it's going to be best if you have some kind of business experience. If you've been a manager or leader um, in the business, if you have some of the financial acumen required to run a, a business, basic business knowledge is going to be immensely helpful for you. And then once you're ready to start looking for an acquisition, getting involved with a, a network of people is going to be best. You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders, their best tips and tricks of the trades, learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition, and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to Toolbox for the Trades. Today, I'm joined by Kylan and Talia Ginger, the co-owners at Herleman Heating and Air and Plum Tech Plumbing and Heating in the Pacific Northwest. Kylan and Talia are a married duo who acquired two service businesses in the last year. We spoke about coming into the trades as an outsider, their thoughts on making strategic acquisitions, and dealing with extreme turnover. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Kylan and Talia, you are the co-owners of Herleman Heating and Air and Plumtech Plumbing and Heating in the Pacific Northwest. I am so excited to talk to you guys today. Thank you so much for joining me on Toolbox for the Trades. Likewise, Jackie, thanks for inviting us on. We're very excited when we heard about the opportunity and told family and friends and coworkers. And uh, I've been a longtime listener and a big fan of the podcast and yourself. So it's, it's an honor. Yes, we're very excited. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, full disclosure to everyone listening. They told me this in the pre-interview. So I was like, I've got to have them on. But it is just thank you so much for saying that. It's very humbling and just wonderful to hear when owners listen to my show. So I really love to hear that. Thank you. We're going to start off this podcast the way we do every single one, which is how did you get into the trades? Yeah, I can take that one if you're Go good. For it. Um, yeah. Really started out, I, I my first business I ever started was a painting company. Now, whether you want to consider that a trade or not, I know we could <laughs> people could debate back and forth. That's where I got started and really cut both of our teeth. Fanned pretty quickly and we had crews running out of six different states and we specialized in uh, painting large apartment complexes. And so that was my introduction to the trades. And then the rest of the story is we got into it through acquisitions, basically. We acquired the plumbing company and the HVAC company. Um, the first acquisition was a little over a year and a half ago now. And so we are still uh, fairly new, although I'm learning a lot and I have a lot of respect and admiration for the trades and really enjoy all the people we've encountered so far. But that's that's how we got into it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk all about strategic acquisition because your, your paths kind of mirror previous guests I've had on this show, which mm -hmm. include John Wilson and Rick Vaza, millennials who are getting into the trades. You guys are my age. I totally geeked out. I was like, yay, someone, someone who's also at the same point in life that I am. So I can't wait yeah. to hear about how you guys got into it. Um, but real quick, do some people not consider painting a trade? One could argue in terms of the moat or barrier for you know skill set to be able to become a painter. It's, you know, you could set the bar pretty low, although the kind of work we were doing, especially if you get into like the industrial side, there's a lot of knowledge that comes along with it. 
perhaps I'm being a little too hard on myself. That's what I was going to say. I was going to offer you a reframe, Kylan. I was going to be like, no, painting is a trade. Take ownership of that. <laughs> um, so you guys acquired Perlman and Plum Tech. And essentially in the last eight months, you both went from owning no businesses, no employees, no revenue to having 75 employees, $15 million in revenue. What have you learned about running a service business since then? So I took some notes on this one because <laughs> the first thing I could think of was what what have we not learned? But I'd, everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the the first thing is we learned that it's obviously not a walk in the park. There's a lot of people that own these businesses that are retiring and offloading their businesses and often selling them and people taking those over. So it's kind of a hot topic right now with entrepreneurs that want to own their own business. Why not just buy one? And the trades are very attractive, right? Because they're fairly recession resilient and they're long established businesses that are steady and stable. And uh, I think a lot of people have the mentality, especially if they're reading about all this hype on Twitter, on the internet, you see a business and it's got $500,000 in seller discretionary earnings. And it's got a team that's been there for 10 years and a customer base that's been there for 10 years. And you have a key employee that can probably be worked into the general manager position. And people have this idea, you could just step into the business and maybe be there a month or so, transition some things around, take advantage of some low hanging fruits, and then take off and move to the next one or chill on a beach somewhere and you're earning 500, you know, half a million dollars a year. And uh, that mm -hmm. is very far from the <laughs> And so we've discovered best case scenario, you really should be there for 12 months uh, minimum. And there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears involved in that before you can even think of getting the uh, leadership team underneath you to be able to step out of those day-to-day -day operations. I think it's really important too to know that during that 12 months, you're really trying to figure out who could be the best person to come alongside you and help run this business. You're getting to know it. You're getting to know its personality, so to say. And so to come in in, in the first two months, be like, oh, I know exactly what this company needs. I know who it needs. It's, it's pretty naive. And so I think you really do need that time to understand it, understand its quirks, and then figure out the right kind of person to come in and lead alongside you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if it's an acquisition, it's away from home. You know, we've acquired out of the state that we live in and then three hours away from where we originally lived. And so you're isolated from a lot of friends and family and that support network that would normally be there to help you through adversity and pushing your capacity. There's a loneliness aspect to it as well, which is why it's nice to have a network that Service Titan provides, for example, and be on a podcast like this with some of the other greats that are out there um, working hard on this. I think one of the other things I've really learned this year, and as I told you before, we're currently on an annual sort of goal-setting retreat with our extended family that we, we do this every year. And so we just finished up reflections, and here's some of the main things and takeaways we've learned this year. And in business, and particularly in the trades, one of the big ones for us, I think, has been learning the skill of how to identify, attract, place, and then develop the right people. Mm. Um, any owner knows that out out there that they know that at the core of any business, it's it's all about people. And to the extent that you have world class people in place and in the right seat, you can build a world class business. Definitely a huge amount of humbleness that you have to have coming into this business and or any business really, and, and take that humility 
and just try to learn from people, as many people as you can, the people that are there, people that you want to be there with you. It's kind of essential. I mean, you come into it again thinking that I know everything. I know exactly what this business needs. I know who it needs. It it can kind of kick you in the butt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It'll alienate people quick. Um, yeah. Besides that, to pretty typical stuff with any business, learning how to create strong systems and proper tracking and accountability with people in the business. That's essential for any business to run smoothly and to continue to scale. So yeah. high level, some of the, those are the main things we've learned this year. Your story reminds me a lot of Rick's story. Uh, Rick Vaza took over John Padilla Plumbing in San Diego, and he spoke similarly of to go into this business and to think that in two months, you're going to know exactly what this business needs, all these things. Like you have to really know its personality, like you were saying, Tay. And you guys are not just doing that with one business. You're doing that with two businesses. So I would love to know that challenge because you're not just getting to know one organization. You're getting to know two right now. So what are the different needs you're finding between Plum Tech and Herleman? Well, they're both very different businesses, Plum yeah. Tech without getting too much into the weeds is mostly sir it's a plumbing company obviously and it's mostly service residential service based herleman uh is just is is hvac and it's it's just about everything we do commercial residential we do a large amount of uh commercial new construction project public works projects and then we also have uh yeah. residential divisions so service and, and replacement just like everybody else so we've had to learn all the different aspects of that and Frankly, this last year, we've been focused more on the residential side because I think as most people know, listening to this, I think growing that side of the business, being in people's homes, uh, it's going to make us a healthier business long term. We deal, we have that, we own that relationship with higher margin. We can set that pricing. Um, and it's where we can develop more of our reputation, right? Like you, you can get more... Uh, visibility with service based than you can or with residential service than you can with commercial new construction, right? Five totally. star review, online presence, that that kind of thing. So it is more of our reputation. Um, and that didn't have a lot of focus prior. So we did want to really focus on that area. But this year for Herlimen specifically, yeah. um, this year our big focus is on the commercial side of the business and growing that better project management and estimating systems. And that's a totally different ball game. It's, it's completely different. So I'd say being able to manage those two businesses, it kind of came down to two things. One staggering it a bit. We bought yeah. the plumbing company and it was quite a bit smaller and we were there for six months. Now, basically the month we bought it, I started working on the second acquisition, but we <laughs> had about six months of time there to just focus on plum tech. And that was very beneficial. Yeah. And then we stepped into Herleman, which was 10x the size. And then it, from there, so staggering it a bit, and then from there, it just came down again to people and being able to attract and hire the right people. So with Plum Tech, the, stepping out of that and focusing on a much, much larger business, it was key that we got somebody in there that could run the day-to-day. That's a whole other story because, you know, conversely, like right along with learning how to hire the right people, we've definitely made mistakes in hiring the, and promoting, replacing the, the wrong people. And one of those was, um, you know, we, we had a general manager we'd hired for the plumbing company. Fantastic individual, great culture fit, um, a good friend of ours. But it became very apparent 
to both him and, and us about six months in that it was just not a good fit. And so there was a mutual parting of ways. Oh, um, thank God, a mutual was, parting of the ways. So those are yeah. the kind of breakups you want to hear about. Yeah, it was much less of a breakup and, and I guess more supporting him. in you know, His realization that direction. he wasn't the right fit. <laughs> sure. Right. But there was some traction lost. So really, we took over Herleman and still for another six months, we were far more involved in the plumbing company still than we have would have liked to be. And that was a pretty stressful time. It was stretching. Uh, but then we ended up finding uh, the, the right fit for a general manager there. And that was about six months ago now. And now that business probably takes up on average two to three hours of time, maybe mm. probably less per week. Yeah. Uh, so we can focus all of our attention on her a little bit. So that's really the key is building he's doing a great job. that that systems uh, and management and personnel structure below you and continuing to systematically delegate for you to be able to keep keep ascending up the org chart yourself and do more acquisitions and be able to focus on the right things. Nice. I have to say for the year that you just described to me, you both look very well rested. So I don't know if I'm catching you on like a good day, but if you're not well rested, you hide it very well. Perfect. You're catching us on a terrible Thank day. We, <laughs> it is a terrible day. Our daughter woke up at 3 a.m. and was awake for two and a half hours this morning and then finally went back to sleep for maybe a couple more hours. Yeah, no, it was a little rough. Yeah, so we, we do have a three-year-old daughter and a, a dog that we've drug around <laughs> to these acquisitions and we've been living in an RV uh, all together for yep. the last 12 months just to be close to the business and be able to focus on it. But we've pulled through and it has certainly stretched us to our, our limits. And I don't believe there's any growth without adversity. So we have certainly grown a lot. And what I tell people is doing all of that, that kind of route in life, it doesn't necessarily promise consistent happiness. So if happiness is what you're after, um, it may not be the best fit. But what it does is you end up feeling extremely fulfilled and I think I can speak for both of us when that's really what we're chasing in life. Fulfilled from the standpoint of, man, we've been able to grow a lot as individuals. Yeah. We've been able to help our teams grow a lot and just accomplish some things we never thought we were capable of. And that leaves a sense of fulfillment, even though the journey to get there hasn't necessarily, and the journey we have to go, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily promise happiness day to day. A lot of, a lot of anxiety and depression and anger and resentment and all those fun negative emotions you get to work through. But despite all of that, we still very much love this process and are looking forward to our next acquisition. Although we don't have one in mind at this point, but we 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 genuinely love it. We love what we do. We love that we get to do it together. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because as you guys know, I love getting vulnerable on this podcast. I love tapping into the mental health component because I think it's a big thing that owners, entrepreneurs are kind of just starting to openly talk about, especially in the trades. And I love what you yeah. said, Kylan, about no growth without adversity. You guys came in as outsiders. So you stepped into Plum Tech and you were just these two millennials who wanted to take over the business. They were like, this guy used to be a painter. He's not a legit contractor. So what was that like for you guys? Definitely a lot of... Uh... We definitely encountered judgment and mm -hmm. scoffing from people, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's from people that don't understand the bigger picture, which is 
we didn't buy these businesses to become technicians ourselves. And I mean that by, you know, uh, technicians in the sense of actual service technicians being there with the customer doing their repairs or technicians in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm not the best at accounting or um, even creating some of the systems that need to be done in the business. So technicians in the terms of doing all the nitty gritty work that actually you know, needs to be done in the business. What we focus on is that's our trade. And again, it's about attracting the right people. So being the kind of people and leaders ourselves that other folks want to kind of pitch their wagon to and then constantly pulling the right people and putting them in the right seats to take care of those things that we don't have a lot of knowledge about. And then be able to build a compelling vision for them that aligns with their vision for their life and get things out of their way so they can do their job. And, you know, my job is to kind of get things out of people's way and you know, find ways to make their job easier. So yes, a lot of judgment, you know, there's a specific scenario that comes to mind where when we took over the HVAC company mm -hmm. at first, we were having one of our uh, first mm -hmm. team meetings. This we, is maybe a month into it. And by then we built good trust and rapport with the existing team. I think they see we were there for the right reasons and had their backs and wanted to take this company from good to great. So they brought concerns. They're saying, hey, at supply houses and, you know, some ex-employees and stuff, they're, they're shit talking you guys. And they were bringing it to, the to, our, to our attention in the sense that we needed to be concerned about this somehow or retaliate uh, <laughs> somehow or track these people down and tell them to shut up somehow. <laughs> Just go sit outside the supply houses and be like, what are you saying about me? Stop saying bad things about me. But we, we told them, look, I don't care about that. What I care is, like time will tell. Um, what I care about is getting results and us becoming a better team and this becoming a better business. And so time will tell. That's all just noise. I don't want to worry about it. And I don't want you guys to bring it up again. Let's ignore it. Move on. And uh, I remember that specifically spoke volumes to that team as far as the type of people we were. and. Yeah, everybody just let's keep our heads in our lanes, head down and keep building something great here. Yeah, it's like putting blinders on to really focus on the goal, because I think if you're always an outsider, you're always going to get that chatter from people that have been in there for a while that are rooting for you to fail, essentially. And so I think in order to succeed, you really need to learn how to turn that off. Yes, yeah. th there was another nuanced part of that, too, where th that internal team, I think they knew that our capacity to run a business of that size could only go so far, especially with, uh, you know, we do, you know, we did almost 10 million of commercial um, new construction and remodel work and public works work last year. And out of everything, all the businesses we own, that is where we have the least expertise. And so we were very transparent with the team up front. Look, we are not the folks to be here for the next decade running the day-to-day -day operations of this business, we will be looking for the right general manager to, to do that and take that over. We're here to set a, a long-term foundation, the culture, the values of the company, the, the long-term vision, and take advantage of some low-hanging fruit and some other things that we're pretty good at. Get the right people on, right people in the right seats. Again, I keep going back to that, but we're not the you know long-term folks here. We're going to bring somebody in who actually has deep knowledge and expertise, not just in this trade, but that has skills beyond what we do in business and leadership and management. We were transparent from day one. And actually, as of the beginning of this week, we found that general manager, put him in place. And it's certainly still early, but we've developed a great relationship with him and his family, and it's working out very well. And the future looks bright. And the team has just rallied around it um, yeah. as well. They, they love That's the crazy. guy.
you know, we onward and upward is a sort of common phrase we use. And now people sign off with our emails and all this stuff, which is kind of the general philosophy we, we have. But that's another, I guess, little nuance about uh, stepping into these businesses, not necessarily being from the trade or even having the business expertise to take a, you know, $15 million company to a 30, 40, 50, $60 million company. Sure. I love that transparency you were talking about, because I think that's so important. And that's really the marker of what builds trust among teams, which is what I think helps foster, you know, senses of autonomy, of uh, accountability within teams. So I think that's so great. You were really candid with me, you both, when we did our pre-interview, that you had a lot of turnover when you both first took over the business. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And then I would also love to get your take on what you look for when it's finding the right people for the right uh, to fit the right seats. In about a year between both businesses, we probably saw about a 60 to 65% turnover rate. Oh, pretty um, high. Pretty yeah. high. Um, so the majority of this was, you know, us stepping in and us seeing certain people out the door that we just instantly could tell were not really good culture fits, um, at least for the culture that we wanted to create. Some left on their own just because they had dealt with, you know, they had baggage from however many years and this just felt like a good transition for them, right, to leave. And some left and it was really challenging. It was kind of scary because they were people in the business, higher level managers, people who did one job and only, you know, that person only know, knew how to do that job. And so we're kind of scrambling, figuring out, okay, well, how do we do this? Like, what does anyone else know how to do this here? So it was, it was kind of scary. We, we saw it all, a wide range of it all. But the biggest thing is we had a clear direction on what the business needed to become and again, like Kylan has said, it just, it all starts with having the right people in the right seats. I mean, to add my two cents, I'd say there's no secret hack or special sauce here. Like step one is get very, very clear on what the business is, needs to be, what it needs to develop into. And as you create a, a plan for that and what needs to start happening, you simply just start, again, this is very broadly speaking, there's, there's a lot of depth <laughs> we can go into here, um, but you start measuring people against that. And so it's everything from like, where do we want to be in revenue? What are the certain KPIs we want to hit to what is the kind of culture we have? What are the kind of values we want to stand for as a company? And it becomes very clear in a pretty short amount of time, what people that exist currently aren't in line with that, aren't able to perform, don't want to go there with you. Sure. And those people that they walk themselves out the door or will eventually um, see them out the door through a, a, a systematic process. But yeah, it's downright scary. I mean, we lost people with key licenses, key knowledge and skills, but it's just, it's pretty amazing how when you do have that clear direction, even when you lose that person, you might hurt for a bit, but there's always somebody better um, that we found to step in and take their place that has the passion, the drive to go where you want to go and where the company's headed. I really like what you're saying about the vision kind of sets the sets the bar for who you want to hire because i can imagine i'm putting myself in your shoes and if i had just acquired two companies and would you say 65 75 people left within a time period i'd be like any warm body will do you have a pulse like come work for us but then having that really distinct vision this is where we want to go this is how we want to grow can really make it easy for 
you to find someone to really fit that box. You know what I mean? It can, I feel like it must also feel scary to set those parameters, right? Cause you're like, I don't necessarily want to isolate anyone out, but it must take a certain amount of fortitude to like stand your ground with that. Am I right? in assuming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very specific example would be our replacement department at Herleman. There was a, a comfort advisor that came with the company we knew where we wanted this department to head and his sales were very minimal compared to what is industry standard. There was, um, when we tried to work with him to create better systems in the business, there was a lot of, um, pushback and not a lot of follow through on these things. And also there there was an attitude issue as well, fairly vindictive and stabbing other team members in the back and, um, yeah. So it became very apparent early on this isn't you know, this this probably isn't going to work. And again, that was yeah, more or less kind of a mutual thing. Uh, but that was our only comfort advisor at that point, right? So we saw him go, and then all of a sudden we didn't have a comfort advisor. So now it's a mad scramble over <laughs> you know a month or so it took to find a, another one uh, to who takes on those leads, who goes on those calls, who has the the knowledge and skill set, ability, the the attitude. Definitely got scrappy there for a bit. I'd say because of all that turnover, right, there, there was a lot of, we got pretty scrappy this year. And it was, <laughs> that contributed to a lot of the stress, I think. But to encourage people that are undoubtedly going through this, that are listening, on the other side of it, looking at what we have now, look, we got a great team that almost 100% of them, I asked myself the question, would I hire them a second time? And Oh, good question. And the answer is yes. And they're aligned with our vision. They have they have the skill set, the attitude, the ability. And that just feels really, really good because now, now 2023 20, can be a, a great year, right? That's a really great question. Would I hire this person again? I think you could mm-hmm. apply that to anyone. Would I date this person again? Would I, would I go to this restaurant again? Yeah. Would I marry this person again? <laughs> Love it. I really like what you had to say there. And I, I have a question I haven't sent you, but I want to get your take on strategic acquisitions. So anyone who's listening to this podcast now, whether they be a tech or an owner or just someone who's interested in the trades, who's interested in getting into this space, what advice, what opinions do you have? What thoughts do you have about making strategic acquisitions in the trades? Let me start with this. It's going to be best if you have some kind of business experience if you've been a manager or leader um, in the business, if you have some of the financial acumen required to run a, a business, basic business knowledge is going to be immensely helpful for you. And then once you're ready to start looking for an acquisition, getting involved with a, a network of people is going to be best. There's several out there right now. I don't know if I want to name specifics on the podcast, but just some quick Googling and getting involved in the Twitterverse. You'll find these people to surround yourself with and other established companies and networks that, and there was a company that was a part of it and helped build for a long time that we, I, we trained hundreds of acquisition entrepreneurs specifically on how to acquire these businesses. So that's why I steer people that direction because what we did was we uh, aggregated a lot of collective resources and a network of vendors to help people tackle every stage of that process. And so it starts with understanding your investment thesis. What do you actually want to buy? What's the industry? What What's the SDE? What's the location? What's that general business profile you're, you're after? 
the next step is to actually start sourcing those opportunities and you can source them on market versus business brokers or web- great websites out there like Biz by Sell. You can source them off market by hiring VAs or you know, other companies or, do, or doing it yourself, but cold calling various businesses. That can often be, there. there is, it's not a significant barrier to entry, but it is a barrier to entry that Put yourself in the situation of a seller and somebody that's had this business for a long time. You want to sell to somebody that knows what they're doing and they're confident. So you're more likely to sell to somebody that's already bought a business like this or has a history in a business like this. Um, yeah, it's not always the case, but it's more likely. So that really helps if you can, if you don't have that experience, to maybe surround yourself with a with uh, you know partners, investors that do have that experience that you can bring to the table and showcase to a seller because. A lot of what you're doing up front is you're you're selling yourself to to the seller and your ability to take this baby they've built over perhaps a few decades <laughs> and uh, continue to do well by their legacy, continue to build their legacy essentially. But frankly, in my mind, that's the easy part. You know, once you've found the deal you want, now you have to think about doing uh, due diligence on that deal, and you need to think about financing that deal, and you think about negotiations and all the legal work that goes behind it. And again, that's where I think a network or some of these other companies out there can help by bringing you into that ecosystem of vendors and best practices and knowledge. Even if it's just surrounding yourself with a few folks that have been there, done that. Like you mentioned some of these names, uh, John Wilson and Rick and Rich Jordan. I've been in a texting group with those guys for, I think, a couple of years now. We're just constantly texting back and forth. You can build those little ecosystems for yourself. Once you've actually bought the business, it's a whole different ballgame, actually <laughs> stepping into operations and, and operating it. And I found that out firsthand when I helped build this company that helped other acquisition entrepreneurs do that. We way overestimated how many folks that came through the top of our funnel would actually execute on a deal and move forward with, uh, with an acquisition and operate the business effectively. Yeah. And frankly, it's just, that's why I say it helps to already have you know, cut your teeth somewhere in business because it's, it's not easy. And if there's any, just a word of caution too, if there's any uh, of those groups or networks that's telling you, Hey, I've got this uh, systematic framework, this operating model, this playbook that you can take and you can apply to any business post acquisition and completely integrate the company and turn things around. And um, in three months or less. And yeah, (laughs) it's all, I would say, um, be skeptical of that. Yeah. Most of the things in those playbooks you'll see, you will have to do at some point, right? You need to focus on marketing, on sales, on finance. You need to um, put in place proper SOPs. organizational structure, SOPs and meeting rhythms and um, financial hygiene. All, all of these things need to happen, but how they happen and the timeline that they happen in, it just it varies on the business because at the end of the day, Every business has its own personality. And until you get into that business for at least a few months to really start to understand that personality and the different dynamics and nuances, you really won't know what your action plan is going to be for the year or for even the next month or week, you know? And then as the owner, you really should be there for at least 12 months, in my opinion, to set that groundwork. And then you can start delegating and working your way out. Just to make sure, you guys don't want me to advertise this podcast as listen to this podcast and get the easy playbook to uh, supercharging any business you acquire. You're sharp. (laughs) 
that's how I'm going to advertise it uh, just for SEO purposes. No, don't take it personally. What would you say to anyone listening who wants to, who's ready to quit their business, their trade business, who's maybe like had the worst couple weeks and they are just ready to hang up their hammer, like just throw in the towel and go back to being, um, go back to working for someone else or something like that. I think fundamentally, you are the average of the five people you hang around the most. And so to the extent your network and the people you surround yourself with are motivated, smart, driven people that ideally are a little bit further down the road than you are not too far because you want to be able to relate, but um, a little bit further. To that extent, you you will continue to grow and find that encouragement and that support network and information, the things, resources, the things you need to stay in the fight and in the trenches and keep on keeping on, right? And so I would encourage people, if, if you are reaching that point, you are more than likely isolated. Mm-hmm. You're probably in the trenches, isolating yourself. And I know this because been there, done that. You need to get out and find that support network and see how other folks are doing it and even if it's just to vent to start with and just be like, this is really hard. There's immense power in the people that you hang around the most and don't isolate yourself. I, I think I think my answer would be, and I'm trying to come at it from like if I was in that position, typically if I was feeling overwhelmed like that to the point where I was like, screw it, I'm done. I My typical course of action is to take a look at everything that I'm doing and try to get rid of and simplify as much as I possibly can. Like that's what I have to do mentally to kind of weed out all the extra stuff and see if that helps, right? Like if what what's the one thing that you can either delegate, eliminate, or automate that can solve a lot of other issues, right, for you. So kind of looking at like, what am I doing? How are things being done? How can they be simplified? How can they just be streamlined to eliminate a lot of other stressors in in my life or in this area of the business. Yes, and read a lot. The one I'll recommend here is the book Traction by Gina Wickman, which I'm sure is not the first time it's been mentioned, but the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. Read something like that because that can really help you create a framework and a operating structure for your business that can bring a lot of clarity and traction and simplify things, organize things, get everybody rowing in the same direction. Well, guys, I want to talk to you about so many other things. I want to give you a moment to talk about your partnership and how you guys are working together. How does it work? So I think especially this last year, we really found out where we shine, which which roles we shine in. Um, Kylan being more the visionary role, again, going back to traction, being more the visionary role. And then I... I really like the integrator operations side of it. So I really like to understand and I think I have a pretty decent ability to understand how things should be operating practically day to day um, to get the business where it needs to go or at least get the business on track to start going in the right direction. I'm the all gas, no brakes guy and the one that gets frustrated because the company doesn't have the structural resources or cash to like execute on the vision I have yet and... um, and uh, I'm not as great at getting into the nitty gritty details of how do things have to happen exactly this moment? How do we need to build this system? What's this reporting structure? So you can keep um, pressing on the gas. Tay and, and our new general manager, these are the folks that are much better at that than I am. So it's really turned into a great yin yang kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, 
she compensates for my weaknesses and um, vice versa. Um, practically speaking, our roles out of necessity have just become very interchangeable. We've had to become very adaptable. So an average week for us is Tay will be in the office half the week and I will be at home working remotely on whatever I need to. And so I will be the one uh, putting the three-year-old down for naps and making food and doing the grocery shopping and the cleaning and the um, everything that goes along with that. She's in the business running things. And then yeah. we just, we switch swap. roles. And so it's become very fluid and adaptable uh, out of necessity. And I really view our relationship as a competitive advantage. I don't think there's any way I could have done everything we've done in the last year and a half alone. And neither could no, she. definitely not. Um, but together we have been able to, and it's, all of that adversity has really just brought us closer together. Um, downside of it is on dates or if we actually do get some <laughs> downtime, we have no idea what to talk about outside of work. And <laughs> so, yeah, we need to get better at that. We're working on it. For sure. And also I've heard that is a very common thing that couples who work together have to traverse. So you, there's certain, going back to what you said in terms of finding other people and figuring out how they did it. I mean, I've interviewed a dozen couples on this show that have said like how they do it. So go nuts. Um, I think that is all the questions I have for you guys at this moment, but I would love to have you guys come back. I mean, I'd love to check in and maybe like a year or so, see where Herleman and Plum Tech are. So, but going to end this podcast with my new favorite ender question, which is if you had to choose a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? And you can select two because there's two of you, but if you have one, that's fine too. Hmm. No, we were on a drive yesterday for like about three hours and we were kind of going through the questions and I was like, oh my gosh, what should this, what should our song be? And we went through like Under Pressure by Wendy Queen and David Bowie. <laughs> we listen to a lot of rock music, metal, uh, punk music. So there's a lot that we explored there. But the one we landed on yeah. was uh, one that, actually fortunately it's you know how if you have apple music or something and you plug your phone into your car it'll always start playing the top like the same song one. or the same yes. song I don't know. maybe it's like a glitch i don't know but it's yeah. <laughs> for me that song has always been always look on the bright side of life by eric idle from um, monty python one of the places where it's featured <laughs> um anyways it's uh, the lyrics are hilarious, but also very fitting for what we've done. So a quick Google, I think, would give people a, a good laugh. Good laugh. That's it. Uh, first time for a Monty Python song. So thank you so much for that, Kylan and Tay. I You're really welcome. enjoyed chatting with you guys. Thanks so much for being on Toolbox for the Trades. Thanks thank for having you. us, Jackie. Hey, Toolbox listener, if you enjoy Toolbox for the Trades, then I would love it if you left us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps the show grow and helps us get discovered by more contractors like you. Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. 
Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook.